Hi, and welcome to this episode of BPB Knows. Today, BPB Knows packs planning around sunsetting provisions. Our expert is Derek Amon, an Associate Director of Tax Services and a very experienced advisor to high net worth families. So Sarah, let's kick this off by explaining what is a sunsetting provision? Sure. So a sunsetting provision is a provision within the tax code that is set to terminate upon a specific date. So when we talk about it in the context of the estate and gift tax, we're referring to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was put in place at the end of 2017 and increased the lifetime exemption or gift amount for individuals to about a $10 million amount indexed for inflation. Currently in 2023, that amount is going to be $12,920,000 that a person can gift or use as part of their state exemption. Now, this is supposed to sunset in 2026, which means that beginning on January 1st, 2026, this will no longer be available and it's going to go back to the previous law. So in other words, when we referencing the sunset, that this exemption amount is increased for a limited amount of time. When we go back to 2026, that amount is expected to be the $5 million index for inflation per person, which could be around maybe about $6.5 million per individual once we get the inflation adjustment. So that's a huge difference. And it sounds like there's a short window for people to take advantage of this before it sunsets. If it sunsets, does that mean that plans people made revert back to this new system or are they grandfathered in because they did it before it changed? So to the extent that any gifting is completed prior to this date, there is no expectation that there's going to revert back. The IRS has explicitly stated that they do not intend to claw back any gifting or planning that was done. And that basically just means that if a person gifts 10 million now and the exemption amount drops back down to around that $6 million index number, then anything in excess of what is currently available is going to be allowed with no changes. So it's better for clients to take advantage of this as soon as they can. So what are you advising clients to do now? So great question. There's a lot of planning that can be done at this point in time. We're working with a lot of clients to plan to utilize whatever gift exemption remains available. And we have a couple of strategies that have been working really well. Currently, we're recommending that all clients take a look at their asset values and determine what is available and what do they need to live off of. And the reason that this is a good question that we like to start with is because we don't want a client to gift away more money than they actually need to live. So if a client or a person has about 13 million, and that's all they really have, is highly unlikely that they're going to want to gift 
all the way up to the full exemption because they're still going to need money to live off of or assets to live off of for the remainder of their life. However, if we were talking about a person who has closer to 50 million of assets, it's then gifting and maximizing the full exemption amount is still a valid option and something that they're more likely to want to do. So as we're talking about that, some of the planning opportunities we're looking at are taking advantage of spousal lifetime access trust or SLATs, which is a gifting strategy in which a client could gift an amount in trust for the benefit of their spouse and or children or grandchildren. And this would allow their spouse to still have access to some of those assets. Because when we're talking about estate planning, it's great to get assets out of our gross estate, but a lot of clients don't really want to give up control. There's a lot of concern about giving up complete control as well as access. A lot of people don't really like the idea of giving up assets because the what if, what if the stock market tanks? What if this asset or this business that's going so well now may not be going as well in the future. So having the ability to have your spouse have the ability to take assets back or to utilize assets to gives a lot of clients comfort to look at what's available. So are trusts a common way that you advise clients to, to handle their tax planning and, and be able to keep some level of control over their the money that they've they've earned through their lifetime? Yeah, so trusts are an integral part of the state planning, and that's really for multiple reasons. First, it's you know to take advantage of creditor protection and the some other benefits of having a trust as liability protection, as well as the ability if they are gifting to kids to really protect their kids from themselves. Um, for an estate planning purpose and to, you know, for utilizing completed gifts and utilizing the remaining gift exemption, it's also a very good strategy um, to employ within the estate plan. I love the way you said that, to, to protect the kids from themselves, because control and the future unknown seem to be such a big part of tax planning. What are some other strategies, um, if you can talk about them, just at a high level that you encourage high net worth clients to take advantage of to manage their tax situation? That's a great question. So we talked about slats as an option, and that's really the one that everyone talks about because it allows some level of getting assets back through use of the spouse or the spouse having access to the funds. But some other opportunities would be a grantor retained annuity trust or a GRAT, which would allow a person to transfer assets to a trust and then later receive an annuity payment over a set number of years, uh, maybe 20 years or two years. And then at the end of the term, they get any assets that would pass to the beneficiaries tax-free, but they also get the retained access back of the original assets that they put in place. 
Um, another option would be charitable trust planning for those clients that are charitably inclined. So for clients that have a strong desire to gift or donate to charity, we like to recommend they consider a charitable remainder trust or a charitable lead trust that would allow the beneficiary to be split between individuals and charity. And depending on the type of trust that is decided upon, the beneficiary person may have access to uh, income from the trust for life and then the remainder goes to charity. Or if a lead trust is employed, then what would happen is the charity would have the income stream and then the remainder beneficiaries that are non-charity would have the assets available to them at the time of the grantor's death or another set date. And those are really good options for clients that have a strong desire to donate to charity, as well as clients that may have assets that are highly appreciated as there are some unique income tax planning structures within that that would allow for deferred gain recognition when assets are later sold. So what's the first thing you do when you sit down with a client who suddenly or maybe realizes how much they have and that they're going to be subject to these um, sunsetting provisions? What's the first thing that you do? That's a really good question. When we when we first meet with a client or an individual that's trying to figure out what should I do for estate planning, we really want to have them take a step back and really assess their current financial predicament, take kind of a snapshot of where they are currently. What assets do they own? How is everything titled? Do they own life insurance? Is that something we need to think about as part of the overall plan? Do they already have existing wills and trust? If they do have existing wills and trust, are they still current? Are they still in line with the grantor's wishes? Do they have, are they the beneficiaries of any trust that someone else set up for them? Really understanding the, what the client has in a holistic picture is going to be the first step because it really allows us to kind of work together to then move to step two, which would be to understanding what the client's end goals are. If, a, as I mentioned, if a client is charitably inclined, then I would recommend, you know, some charitable planning and income tax planning associated with a charity. Whereas if a client has no real interest and is not really into gift leaving a large sum of money to charity, then that's probably not the way I'm going to go. And I may decide to look at the use of other structures, um, whether it be trust or looking at additional planning structures within family limited partnerships or other types of entities that would allow for different gifting and discounting. So it sounds like with so many of the things that we talk about on this podcast, that having a, a, an experienced advisor to help you through the process is really important. And this topic takes on added uh, a, an added level of, of speed because of the sunsetting provisions and the time is running out. And so if, if um, 
you know, we encourage all of our listeners to talk to their advisors or call us and we can help you make sure that you're making the most of these opportunities before they are no longer with us. So thank you, Sarah, for explaining all of these complicated topics to us and to our listeners. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or topics you would like us to cover, please email us at bpvnose at bpvcpa.com and we will see you next time.